What's up, everybody? You're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. A few, uh, maybe over a, uh, two months ago, actually, I ran into a brother by the name of Isan Hines, and he runs an organization called My Brother's Keeper Cares, and it focuses on uh, mental health, particularly in the uh, black community, um, particularly among men in the black community. He started this uh, organization um, after the death of his uh, suicide of his brother. And I think it's an important conversation to be had. Um, We're starting to see these conversations take shape in uh, particular spaces about how men engage, black men engage in mental health and the stigmas that exist that discourage us from participating and seeking out mental health. Um, We talk about all those things. We talk about the importance of having that and the, the importance of creating a community atmosphere surrounding what we do and how we engage so that we can Uh, be fulfilled, not just in our personal lives, but professional. Mental health affects all of those different things. And he has been taking this initiative a lot further. So I've had a lot of people coming to me asking me where I find the time and the space to make all of these podcasts happen. Well, I have to thank the folks at Rec Philly. They provide me the space, the equipment, and the networking capacity to make this take off. And it's not just for other podcasts. Other creative individuals use this space as well. We're talking musicians, photographers, anyone that considers themselves a creative individual. So if that's you, head over to Rec Philly. Visit them on Instagram. And if you find yourself wanting a membership, tell them Salah sent you. Um, what's going on? How are you feeling today? Uh, <laughs> I feel excited, but also overwhelmed at some point you know yeah it's a it's a weird balance let's talk about that because that's really what your agenda is and i really like to jump right into what you do with uh, my brother's keeper Mm -hmm. um not to be affiliated with the obama uh, initiative but just as important right I, i i believe uh talk about that talk about what you do um and what you're willing to share on how you got started. Okay, so uh, even just to clarify that, so I've added CARES. CARES is usually used in all the descriptions for our social media content, oh. but also as I incorporate it, I incorporate it as my brother's keeper's CARES to uh, make sure that we stand apart from the Obama initiative, even though I support Obama and I don't mind being confused with whatever he's got going <laughs> on at Absolutely. all. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my brother's keeper cares. It was an initiative started in memory of my younger brother Atif, mm. who tragically died from suicide August thirty first, two thousand and seven. Mm. And I just felt like the suicide survival period that I had to go through and that I'm still dealing with, it was just really overwhelming. And um I realized like my own depression needed help. So I wound up going through counseling. I wound up getting pulled in different directions by people who had suicide and mental health awareness. Uh, initiatives asking me to come out and speak about my experience with loss. And then through that, I started realizing that in a lot of the uh, suicide prevention conferences and mental health conferences I was going to, uh, it wasn't representing the black community in a certain way. Mm. And it also wasn't representing the male, the male uh, gender in a certain way. It was mostly a lot of white women in these environments. And um, also the, the uh, the ambiance of the room, or just I guess the situation, you would leave feeling more disappointed and more in despair than feeling hopeful. So my brother's keeper was created to provide a space where people can feel safe to be able to speak vulnerably about things that are dealing that they're dealing with, but also find hope 
at the end. So with these conferences I would go to, I always be like, I'm leaving feeling worse than I walked in. So mm -hmm. I wanted to create concerts, conferences, community conversations, and ultimately link people with counselors who could actually pull them out of the dark places in their lives. It's you, you, it's interesting that you, you mentioned how they're really catered to white women. Mm -hmm. um, because it's always been a negative stigma, with especially within the black community, especially among black men, mm -hmm. that you're not supposed to be able to deal with those emotional things that you go through openly, right? right. Like it's it's something that's supposed to be swept under the rug. You're supposed to be just be a quote unquote man mm -hmm. and go out there and and just ignore what you feel, ignore kind of the mental struggles that you're going through. Yeah, and like. It's not surprising when you say that because that's just kind of what our community really has been about for for decades. Yeah. And it, it's like, it, did you, as you started to build this platform, did you, are you seeing a, are you seeing that where some, especially black men, mm -hmm. um, aren't always willing to be as candid as, you know, you know, some of those feelings are there. Um, yeah. Or are you seeing the, you know, people are willingly accepting that? No, I got something I need to deal with. Yeah, I'm seeing more people doing it. Now, most of the people I am seeing doing it are people who are advocates for that. So mm -hmm. it's people who also have their own organizations or their own initiatives as well. But um, what I've seen, even in the events I had, like I had an event two nights ago, the My Brother's Keeper Community Nights, we do at the library. And I noticed like the crowd, it's not, uh, it's not a lot of black men there, even though I created mm -hmm. it for that. It's, just, it's kind of representing the way the church is, where it's a lot of black women coming to these mm -hmm. events. And I'm grateful for them, but I also want to have black men coming, or just men, in per men period, to come out and speak about what's going on. I do know that in those environments, people are more open to talk about things that they're dealing with, and they're supportive. And um, I remember a podcast or something I read that you actually did about like toxic max masculinity. Yeah, saying yeah it's a blog post I, yeah. uh, I wrote. Yeah, so that kind of thing is, is still a part of what's going on out there. And uh, I was actually reading something a couple of days ago. This brother named Greg Corbin was sharing about how he was, like, bullied in a certain way. And an experience while he was young made him feel afraid to approach his father a certain way when he was afraid. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's just there's certain barriers. There's certain things from slavery, certain things from from church being told a certain way where you just pray about it rather than get counseling, get some type of medicine or whatever other type of support you need and men like even myself like I, I deal with like depression heavily but I have been forced because of my own fear of, of suicidal thoughts that have come my way and then also out of responsibility to my family I've sought help and I'm, I'm currently seeing a counselor now I've been seeing a counselor since October and it's really changed my life now I still deal with depression I still deal with a lot of despair but I have a lot more tools to be able to manage through those hard times. What was that transition like um, for you to be able to recognize that you needed to reach out mm -hmm. outside of your own network and outside of your own head to, to get the support to kind of continue? Uh, so part of it was initially when my brother first died, I started getting surrounded by people who were asking me to come out and do uh, workshops or facilitate parts within their conferences. And in that, I realized like counseling is something that is not a bad thing. Hearing people's testimonies about it, it made it seem more real. And someone recommended that, actually a pastor friend of mine, um, he recommended that I go and see a counselor. And this counselor was a great counselor. And he was able to talk to me on my level about what it was like to be a man, 
what it was like to be a man who who has faith in God, but also is dealing with these these circumstances. Mm. So it was other people suggesting and helping me to get comfort in it. My most recent um, my most recent encounter with like darkness or whatever should I say? Yeah. That uh, on October sixteenth, like I was I I had my mind made up with a plan that I was going to take my life, and in that time period or in that day, the course of that day. I sent out like some smoke signals and those smoke signals caused a chain effect of people just bombarding my life with like love and care and concern. And out of that, everyone was pushing me to get back into counseling, get back into therapy and this time stick with it. Mm. So I've now been consistent in it, but I also caught a very good connection with my therapist and saw that my idea of what a therapist should be was off. So I always thought I need a black man to be my therapist. Right. My therapist now is a white woman and she's skilled in being able to help me with things the same way you go to the hospital and you see a doctor. You don't say I want a black man to operate on my body. Right. Whoever's skilled to be able to do and trained in a certain way. Now, she can't relate to everything that I, I experience as a black man, but she has incredible communication skills. She's a great listener. She's able to understand where I'm at, where I should be and help me to get to those places that are or light when I'm in dark places. Let, let, let's talk about that for a second, because I think there is that out there that exists. And, and I understand where it comes from, um, where people feel like they need to only get, seek help from individuals that have gone through the same experiences as them, that right. look like them. Um, but that's not always necessarily the case, because just because you look like me or you've done the same experiences, you the way you internalize it, it could be very different than the way I internalize it, you know. So yeah. it doesn't mean you're also equipped with the same skill set to address those things within me. Right. Um. I, I, that that is something that is really out there, just within the the community of people who are looking to seek help, and they think they only have to. It's almost like a discouragement from seeking help because they feel like they only have to talk to people yeah. that look like them and experience the same things they experience. But like, no, look for the, you're saying look for the skill set. Yeah. And then also there's like, there's certain things preventing people from actually accessing people who do look like them. Um, speaking to an African-American counselor, I realized like there's, there's a program through a lot of employers called the EAP program. It's the employee assistance program. And through EAP, they typically offer two or three counseling sessions for you to go to for free and your job mm. pays for it. The EAP program, a lot of black counselors are on the outside of that network. So there's almost like a, there's not access to those people even if you want them. So if a black man does want a black counselor, he may not be able to get him. He may be able to get a black counselor, but a lot of them are not even in the EAP program. So because they're not, they're now having to charge full price for their services mm. and they're not covered by insurance. They're not with my, my counselor. Now my insurance covers it. I only have to pay a $30 copay, which is significant. Counseling sessions can cost hundreds of dollars and to go for months and months and months can be, it can be overwhelming to your pockets for something you actually need. So the counselors or the therapists, they're still a part of, some type of, I don't want to call it racism, but it's some type of systemic form of racism or discrimination yeah, that's keeping black counselors and minority counselors just away from the people who actually need them. So there are black counselors and minority other, other minority group counselors who do need the counselors that are there specifically for their experience. But I do realize that in my personal experience, I'm glad that I was able to speak to somebody beyond what I thought my stereotype or the stereotypical counselor would look like for me. 
because she's very skilled. And I had, I don't regret any of the counselors I have had, but I'm really grateful for the one that I currently have. I think uh, going through that journey of um, finding the right counselor is just as important as just, you know, making sure you get this, seek the help that you need because, yeah. you know, while you can go through one and they don't do, it's, it's like dating almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't just get, date one person and if it doesn't go well, you call off Give dating up. forever yeah, right. <laughs> you know you go through the cycle of finding the right person that matches what you need and and yeah. helps uh you know brings the right set of skills to the table so that they can kind of address some of your concerns yeah um so when did when did my brother's keeper officially launch what are some of the things you do okay. in the community well um, incorporation actually just took place about two weeks ago nice. so it was just an initiative thank you it was uh the 501 C3 status that's still in the, in the way yeah. I mean in the in the process progress uh in the process of being completed. Yeah. So the goal is by September to have that all done by Labor Day. And uh so the initiative started I believe it was like 2008-09 like my brother died in 07 but the counselors and these different people from from Delaware the Delaware Mental Health Association or the Mental Health Association Delaware I forget the exact order but they started inviting me out and writing articles about me and featuring me in some of their literature. So around that time, I just came up with the name My Brother's Keeper. So that was maybe 09. I can't remember so, the exact So Obama date. copied you. Yeah. That's what it sounded yeah. like. When Obama <laughs> dropped, I was like, I was salty because I was like, wow, you can't. It's like if my name was Jay-Z first yeah, and then Jay-Z yeah. comes out, I'm like, you can't compete there, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was grateful that it was him because right. if it had been somebody else, I don't want to say names, I would be like, I got to change the whole name. Nah, you know what I mean? I feel you. But um. And a goal, I don't know if this is possible, but I would like to eventually, after we're established and we have more more uh, credibility, reach out to Obama and ask him, can I have a mental health wing of what he has going on? Because I think most of what he's doing is about mentorship and trying to uh, help people with education. So if mental health can have its own wing, I'll just be my brother's keeper's cares under my brother's keeper. Oh. Um, so I think it was like 08, 09 that the initiative started. And it initially was concerts at Love Park. Mm -hmm. So we would go out to Love Park every summer. And for the final week of August, we would reserve space in the park and just do concerts right in front of the uh, right outside of the fountain. And this was around the week that my brother died. So it was in memory of him. But it's also a week before Suicide Prevention Month, which is September. So it was like an incredible door open. Um, That's a funny story. Like I thought it was going to cost me ridiculous amounts of money to have this and I called and told somebody about my brother and they worked at the park and they said well we do these concerts every day and they're only like $25 for you to reserve a slot so I was able to get a whole slot every day for a week for $125 and the equipment was provided I just had to bring the talent and we did that for for several years until Love Park shut down a few years ago for renovation. Yeah. So um, I'm now trying to reestablish a new location. I'm hoping to bring it to West Philly or Southwest Philly, closer to where I grew up, to uh, Malcolm X Park or to Clark's Park. But uh, yeah, we started with that. And then last year, while I was going through my bout with depression, I started as I was coming out and going into like therapy. In November, I walked into a library, and one of the head librarians was inviting me out to a meeting that was happening the next day with all these people from the community from, like, uh, political backgrounds, just nonprofit sectors, a lot of people who were doing things. And I applied for space at the library for the following year. So from February of this year until the end of this year, 
I have the library reserved at 5801 Baltimore Avenue, the Blanche Nixon Library in Southwest Philly. And what I've been doing is having a monthly community night where we have a conversation about mental health, suicide prevention, suicide awareness, uh, fatherhood, uh, sexual abuse, whatever is impacting our community and our mental health and our, uh, our well-being. We discuss those things. That, that's that's uh, pretty amazing because you talk about a lot of resources that, one, I never even knew that was out there. Yeah. Um, and you, you're giving me ideas that I think could be useful, not just to me, but anyone else is listening. Because, you know, some of the, the people that really tune into this podcast really are, are other creative individuals, or yeah. but are other like-minded people who all also have initiatives that they want to start um, and, and ways they want to not just give back to the community, but also find ways to just be impactful um, yeah. in their own lives. So I think sometimes just sitting down and sharing those resources and kind of rehashing and talk, going back and talking about them, yeah. you'd be surprised how many people really just like, wow, that's, that's, I didn't know that was there. You're giving me so many different ideas and yeah. um, not even, not, on, not alone, just want to be able to come and attend um, um, your events at the library. Um, do you have another event coming up soon? Yeah, we have one on July the 10th. It's Wednesday night, July 10th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at that same library, the Blanche Nixon Library. And th that particular month is going to be about uh, creative arts, creative and performing arts. And mm -hmm. we're going to talk about how art plays a part in mental health as an outlet so that people can create things in order to change their mood or also to encourage other people. The mural arts programs and all those things throughout the city they change environments. They they yeah. give somebody something to look at in a positive way. But for me, it's a spoken word. So next month, I'm going to be doing spoken word. I have a few other people doing spoken word. The program is still being developed. At this point, it's just spoken word. But I'm hoping to have somebody there also painting throughout the program as well. Yeah, I, I uh, you're a writer yourself, too. I read um, yeah. uh, uh, one of the pieces you wrote about uh, some of the... the about the depression you were going through. Are you going to do any more writing? Yeah, so I'm working on a book called The Pendulum. Now, okay. this idea for this book came in like 99 or 2000. It was around New Year's of whatever year that was. And the idea came about the grandfather clock hand, the pendulum, how mm -hmm. time goes back and life goes back and forth as time uh, goes forward. And the idea for it was to just talk about my own personal struggles. Now, before that, things didn't happen in my life yet. I wasn't a father yet. My brother wasn't dead yet. I wasn't even walking with God or, or trusting God in certain ways in my life. So now, full circle, I'm starting to see how since that idea, a lot of the things that need to be in that book have transpired, and they're still transpiring. And then what I was stuck with years ago was just giving people depression, giving people the, the struggle, but not having the victory. Mm. So now what I'm grateful for is I'm actually starting to see hope in my own life. I'm starting to have plans. Like I struggled for years to have plans and not until last summer after a period of like fasting and like, like some personal care did plans come to me mm -hmm. and I'm now seeing those plans coming to fruition. So those are the kind of things that I want the book to offer, not just struggle. So people can just say, yeah, I identify with struggle or poverty or whatever, but I also can see the process and then also see the progress and also see the victory and all of that. And, um, yeah, I'm working on that. It's called The Pendulum. I hope to have it done. I can't even put a date on it because it's in the timing of how this story is being written with my life. Right. Yeah. That's that's really dope. And and I, I hope a lot of other people, you know, take that and, and understand the, the, the process of, you know, not starting a, pro a project today and hoping it's going to be successful tomorrow. You know, yeah. you're talking about 
something you had an idea and the vision you had dating back to 99 like 20 years ago yeah. yeah you know so that that's it's good and it's important too because that also contributes to that idea of being in the right mental space and mental health because mm-hmm. we we put so much on ourselves that we got to be successful tomorrow yeah. you know on, on different projects I, I know me personally it's something that i i constantly am like beating myself up for not being as successful as I want to be tomorrow on yeah. different projects, but it's sometimes taking a step back and it's like, there's a long road ahead thinking that I, I just started, you know, a few months ago with this particular thing. It's, yeah. It takes a while for it to grow and to develop and to, to be nurtured in the right way. So I, I think that's always something that's really important for people to kind of take a step back and, and, and really look at what what success really is and how long it actually takes to get there. And it takes uh, some things are just like God doing things or orchestrating things a certain way. Because even when I met you, I remember crossing paths with you at at a coffee shop. I'm not yeah. sure if I can say the name. On yeah, here. yeah, okay. Uncle Bobby's. I, yeah, yeah. I go there every uh, yeah. a lot actually. Yeah. Go there a lot. So yeah, they were at Uncle Bobby's, and I remember just feeling compelled to like tell some people about what I have. Even though it, that was like a, some of the beginning months of when I started this thing. I started doing these events in in February. I think mm-hmm. I might have ran into you in March. Yeah, it was March. So I, I was just planning for my second event, and I'm handling out flyers. And I remember you you saw me giving out the flyer, but you engaged with me in a, in a different way. Everyone engaged with me in a certain way that day, but you engaged with me in a way like I would like to connect with you further. And here it is, June, and we're doing something. So, yeah. I mean, it take, it's timing. It's also like God orchestrating things a certain way because I just, that was my first time in Uncle Bobby's. So, I mean, I didn't know if I come in there an hour early, I might not meet you or whatever. Right, like things right. are timing. And uh, there's timing. Then, like you said, is sharing resources. I did want to address one thing or say something about the idea you said about resources. Anybody listening, the public libraries in Philadelphia offer free rentals for their facilities. They have rooms in the basements or even the, the 19th street library they have phenomenal facilities right now brand new centers that just opened six weeks ago and they allow you to use it for free for events whether you're doing a concert a book release whatever and you just put in a application and, and they have to give it to you for free and that's available to anybody and i have the library for a whole year and that saves me tremendous everything it saves me money it just creates a uh, a place that has a good reputation that I can just invite people to a safe space. They have security already. They have everything you need there. So there are free facilities if anybody's out there looking for something like that. And those free spaces are important, particularly in our community, because we always we don't have the resources and the financial backing sometimes to yeah. do some of these projects that we want. There's some incredibly intelligent individuals that are out there that's in our community that I work alongside with, that I see every day, that I interact with. But they don't have the resources to, to get some of those things done. Um, yeah. They don't have the financial backing to put their ideas to fruition. So yeah. good good luck with sharing that um, library drop. It's something that I wanted to, I've been trying to look into for a while and, yeah. and trying to figure out the right type of events that I want to do with with, uh, with the podcast to correspond with what we do here. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly important for our community yeah. to have those. Um, I, I see you wearing the t-shirt, my brother's keeper, uh, yeah. cares t-shirt, uh, yeah. now. Are you going to make those available to, to... With these? Yeah. They're available to people. Uh, primarily, these were created... First, this was created when my brother first died. Mm. Uh, his best friend... I took this photo of my brother. I took this picture at my son's birthday party. Uh, I think my son was turning one. And my brother, uh, 
which is turned sideways, and I caught this image. So when he died, I sent this to one of his best friends, uh, a guy named Don Scott. He's a phenomenal artist and graphic designer, DJ, creative type, a lot of things. And he made it into a T-shirt so that we could uh, raise funds actually for the funeral. Because unfortunately, my brother was young. He didn't have he didn't have life insurance, mm-hmm. so we had to like come up with the funds in order to actually do his home going. And these shirts, after that, became shirts that we decided that we could just change it up a little bit. And instead of just being a rest in peace shirt, it could be something that can be more so the logo and the face for the organization. And we wear these at the the suicide prevention walks every October. But also, yeah, these are available to anybody who wants to purchase them. And we're working on more shirts that are going to use this as a logo, but also have messages that are more relevant to anybody out there. Where can they uh, find the shirts? Uh, you can go to Instagram to MBK Cares. That's the acronym for My Brother's Keeper Cares, and you can find the shirts on there. There's a link on there for our website. The website is mbkcares.com, and also just uh, contacting me directly, uh, 267-972-2954, if you would like to make any arrangements to purchase anything in person or to meet up for a large order. I think what you're, uh, I like how you said that at the yeah. end there, Make, uh, put in that large order, put in that large order, y'all, support, support our community, support our people that's, that's doing, doing stuff big. And, you know, I, I, I do have to just give you a, a real, not, not just a congratulations, but like a thank you for name dropping as much as you did to, <laughs> to, and like sharing some of those resources. Cause it's so important because it's, it's, you know, the people that I know a lot of people out there that really are looking for different ways to one, get out from the jobs that they have that wears on them mentally, that needs to spread their wings and do something that's much more impactful to them. So dropping some of those resources, throwing the names out there for the guy who, uh, you know, who did the design for your shirt. Like that's so important to our community to be able to share and spread those resources as much as possible, Uh, but to normalize it so that we aren't just like, only I can be successful. It's like, nah, everybody in our community can be just as successful um, because it only helps us not just be better financially, uh, but also mentally at the same time. To feel um, supported. Yeah, yeah, it's so important. It's so important in our community. It's something that's been ignored, especially in Philadelphia community for so long that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, we gotta, we gotta make sure that we, uh, feel supported among each other. So thank you. Thank you for doing thank that you for, for a number of times. Thank you for encouraging it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, my last thing that I always ask everyone, okay. um, try to end on a lighter note. Um, what's your most favorite thing in the world right now? Uh, fatherhood. Yeah. Um, so the last couple of weeks, I just got a chance to witness two graduations. Like my oldest son graduated eighth grade two days ago, and my daughter graduated two weeks ago from the fifth grade. Congratulations. My youngest son is only in the fifth grade. He's going into the fifth grade, but uh, his fatherhood has been amazing. My daughter's going to Masterman in September. That's awesome. That's exciting. And um, just secondary fatherhood like for my brother's daughter Mm. she's like a daughter to me and she's just um she's joy and uh it's just so much joy in seeing children the innocence that they have the joy they could bring to a room how they can make you feel significant just for being who you are and not just from it's just something different about being a father so fatherhood brings me joy thank you i appreciate that um tell us again where we can um 
find your website where we can find the t-shirts okay. and information about your events everything is going to be under mbk cares that's my brother's keepers cares that's the acronym for it mbk cares that is the twitter handle that's the instagram handle that's also the website name that's the gmail address everything is mbk cares and my personal website i'm sorry my personal facebook page is Esan hines and that's spelled i-h-s-a-n h-i-n-e-s and that's where they can find me and then what about your events when's the next one and then what location okay so the next event is the my brother's keeper community night that's going to be wednesday july 10th at the blanche nixon library 5801 baltimore avenue 6 p.m to 7 30 p.m free to attend dinner is free and it's a great time to just come out, enjoy a, a discussion about things that are relevant to us, things that are relevant to the community, things that are relevant to the family, and things that are, that are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely healthy. I went to um, an event. Um, was that in May? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was in May. The one um, you came to for me? Yeah, yeah. April, oh, April 30th. April, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was, it was, it inspired me to write a piece, actually, for, for my, um, for my blog, and um, I've been sitting on it for a while and I need to kind of put the, uh, finishing touches on it. So maybe I'll, I'll put that out there. Yeah. And it was really focused on just bullying and finding support in our community and finding different ways we can, um, provide the right environment for our children, yeah. um, to, to survive in, in schools and things like that. So you, you cover a number of different topics and I, 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 I appreciate what you do for our community. I think it's super important. Um, appreciate and I, what you I, do. I see a lot of success for you. Thank you. Yeah, you <laughs> providing a platform. Like everyone, you're not competing with anybody. So appreciate that. I mean, I'm sure there's probably other people doing what you do, but you have a heart to connect, and that's important. So I appreciate what you bring to the table too, bro. Thank you, Isan. It was a, it was dope. Thank you. I appreciate you. You man. too, man. Thank you. you. Thank you. Okay, I want to give a big thank you to Ishan again for sitting with me on the podcast today. Make sure you guys check him out. Again, he does his events uh, every uh, one Wednesday a month. Um, I'll post a link to his website within the notes of this podcast, and I'll share his upcoming event with you as well. Uh, Go out there and support not just him, but the idea that he represents of challenging the negative stigma surrounding mental health, particularly in the black community. And I just wanted to uh, share with you guys a a blog post that I wrote um, a few months ago that helped introduce us to each other. Sitting in the car is where I contemplate my next move. Hands clenched around the steering wheel, so tight my knuckles are turning white. It's a hot day in the middle of July as moisture makes my shirt stick to my back under my blazer. There's no thought to turn my car on and cool off. Just what to do next with my life, what to do for my family, what to do for my career and being let go from another job and my bones. I feel is biased against me as an individual, but I'm not confident I can prove discrimination. So I'm left wondering as my eyes swell with tears, the realization of a difficult journey of finding another job weighs me down. My wealth of experience and training should land me somewhere making close to, if not more than my most recent position. Yet with the name like Salah Muhammad at the top of a resume, it diminishes the call for interviews. Even more unlikely for a second call once they realize I'm a black man and not an Indian or any other foreigner. In a study by the Brookings Institute, white men with a criminal record are more likely to find a job than black men without one. 
However, that's a story for another day. On this day, I'm just struggling with the emotions of appearing as a failure of a man. With no money, no job, how can I face my family? What do I do with the feelings of being fired for being an outspoken black man? There's no time to decide what to do with these feelings. As my hand releases my grip on the steering wheel, I cast my tears away. For in this world, there's no need or acceptance of a quote-unquote weak man. That was four years ago. Today, I sit in a coffee shop hoping to attend a community event on improving the mindset of men. Nervous butterflies flutter in my stomach and my heartbeat quickens. Hopefully, ordering a hot tea will help calm my nerves and allow me to express myself. Maybe these men will be accepting. Maybe I'll learn that it's okay to feel. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be mentally right as a man so you can be the right man for your family. This coffee spot has the right vibes to cool me down. With the soulful sound of D'Angelo playing in the background and the smell of just beautiful blackness in the air, my spirits lift. The hibiscus tea I ordered serves the final ease as I need to settle into a healthy discussion. Yet something's wrong. There's no one here for the event. No one here ready to discuss the mental state of black men. No one to connect with and heal. While this isn't surprising, it still serves with a hint of bitterness and melancholy. From day one, they condition us to believe showing affection or having any feelings is a sign of weakness. In the ongoing struggle to be a quote-unquote strong man, we isolate ourselves. Not just from connecting with family or loved ones, we also isolate ourselves from our own feelings and innermost desires as humans. The conditioning begins early. We tell our sons not to cry and to quote-unquote man up. As we become teenagers, it pulls us out from our childhood tendencies. It is so ingrained in our way of life. It's a line from one of the most popular movies among men. Even the Godfather claims fun and games are only for women and children. As we mature into young men, the burdens society dictates for men are at our feet. You are the provider and protector, and if not for you, your family won't survive. Kind of a bleak message dealt to a group of people who haven't learned how to deal with their emotions. Yet it's the hand that must be played, and the ramifications are damaging to people he's trying to protect. Loved ones end up suffering the most. Emotionally unavailable, overly aggressive, approaching everything as a conquest, from women to power and money. They deem all to be essential notches on the championship belt of the masculine man. The chase for money and power alienates the masculine man from his family. Sure, everyone wants success and healthy living, yet this can be a disguise to maintain the image of what a masculine man should aspire to be. As a result, being a masculine man means showing no emotion, no pain, working until you break, and a line of women in your wake. I remember being a teenager hanging around the lockers in the hall with a group of classmates, each boasting with the number of bitches he got and clowning his classmates for being gay. This culture embeds itself in the mindset of many men, demeaning and objectifying women while mocking homosexuality. There's been times when I too have succumbed to this mentality of objectifying women that walk my way. I'm the product of the culture that accepts men for their crudeness and promotes sexual deviant mindset. It's recognizing this to challenge what society dictates acceptable for some and demeaning to others. Yet whenever this is challenge is made, many people call it an assault on masculinity. Whose job is it to define this term? 
as a whole, society has dictated how men should be instead of allowing men to be themselves. Whenever a man does express himself outside the lines of defined for being masculine, he comes under attack. Over the last few days, people have asked if I believe masculinity is under attack. The latest claim to say this was when the actor Billy Porter wore a gown to the Oscars. The absurdity of conflating a man choosing to wear a gown to an attack on masculinity depicts the essence of the problem. For the existence of it means the oppression of someone else. You see, in order for masculinity to exist, gay men must be demeaned. Women must be objectives to be conquered. Careers and positions of power must be wielded with force. The response is defensive while claiming no war exists. Today, I make the bold claim that's long overdue. It's time we declare a war on masculinity. The only question remains is which side are you choosing? That is it for another episode of Salah's Corner. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I hope you like my blog posts. Uh, you can always email me any of your questions, comments at realtalk at salahscorner.com. Um, and make sure you are following me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Salah's Corner. Until next time, peace, y'all.